a series that uh, we're calling The Question Behind the Question. And what I said in the first message is that when you look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you find that Jesus asks 307 questions of us as individuals. Now, he doesn't ask it primarily because he needs the information. And what I suggested is that primarily his reason for asking is because there are critical realities that we're not aware of that he wants us to become aware of. And there are things that he knows we need to be concerned about that we are not concerned about. So that's primarily the reason that Christ asks questions. Now, to introduce uh, today's message, I'm going to go back a little bit in my own life, in my own history. Um, I was a union carpenter, a construction worker for 17 years. Uh, carpenter is a misnomer. I, I worked with drywall and metal studs and acoustical ceilings. There was hardly any wood involved at all. But anyway, did it for 17 years. And so when you were in these environments with drywall dust and insulation dust and all like that, it, it was not an unusual thing. Your eyes get dry and you get something in your eye. Uh, so I had some drywall dust or insulation or something in my eye. So I couldn't get it out. And uh, there was this guy working at this particular job, and his name was Charlie Jett. Now, Charlie Jett, in construction work, I just met some of the most interesting people. Um, but anyway, Charlie Jett was interesting. I'll just put it like that. Uh, he lived down toward Occoquan, and uh, he was always talking about catching these enormous catfish from Occoquan, like 35, 40-pound ca you know, catfish. Anybody ever fished in Occoquan? You know about that? Anyway, uh, he would not call them fish either. He would call them fish. I'm not sure why, but that was just part of being Charlie Jet. Anyway, I had this piece of speck, this dust in my eye, and uh, I couldn't get it out. And I went to Charlie because he was nearby, and I said, Charlie, I said, can you help me, man? I can't get this thing out of my eye. And so he said, well, well sure. And, and I kid you not, how many of you know what a drywall knife is? Can I just see your hands? <laughs> this, is, this really happened. He gets his drywall knife. And he then takes, but, but he was caring, you know. He took his dirty handkerchief and put over the blade. And he's coming toward my eye. And I'm like, whoa, no, 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 Charlie. No, what's wrong, man? What's wrong? I'm just going get, to get the tip of it. You know, I'm not going to hurt you. I said, no, no, that's okay. Forget it. He said, all right, all right. So now he takes his carpenter pencil out. Does anybody know what a carpenter pencil is? It's kind of big and wide. Uh, you know, a lot of lead on the end of that thing. And he's coming at me with the carpenter's pencil, the lead. And I said, no, 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 Charlie, no, no, no. So I decided I'll get the speck out of my own eye. It just seemed like a safer thing. Now, the situation caused me to consider something that I had not considered before. Number one, I started really thinking, this guy doesn't like me. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I started thinking, Charlie does not like me. The second thing I was thinking, and you're going to be offended by what I'm about to say, but I'll, I'll, I'll expand on it in a minute, is I was thinking, is he just so dumb that he doesn't know how dangerous he is? Okay, I mean, really. Some of you are offended right now that I use the word dumb, and I, I know that. But I have been so dumb many a time in my life that without knowing it, I was dangerous to others. And were you to be humbly honest you would likely reflect on your own life and have to admit there have been times where maybe well-meaningly but dumb you yourself were damaging or dangerous to people now let me cross from Charlie Jet to a situation that maybe some of us have encountered you find yourself meeting a new person might be at work might be in the neighborhood might be at your kids games sports games might be you're just getting 
you know tires put on your car and you meet somebody in there while you're waiting on the tires but you you have a good conversation it's pleasant this is a new person but the interaction with them it's going well you're enjoying it they seem like just a nice person and then all of a sudden in the conversation they say to you they say would you by any chance have a have a breath mint and you say matter of fact I do and so you you take your breath mint and you go to hand it to them and they say no no it's not for me it's for you (laughs) it's like whoa did that change directions and you awkwardly you awkwardly smile and say oh I'm, I'm sorry and then when you smile they say what was that and you say well what was what I was smiling and they say well it looked like the crazed look of a serial killer and once again you're like oh sorry didn't know and they say well, you know you really got to watch your body language because your body language communicates an awful lot so you need to be more careful now this is a stranger and all of a sudden they're attempting to take some specks out of your eye but they're taking the speck out of your eye with a drywall knife <laughs> or with a lead pencil and it kind of hurts even before they get at it Jesus asks this question here it is why do we you me look for the speck you're going to see this in the context of scripture in Matthew 7 in a minute but he says what is it that's going on inside of us that we look for the speck in someone else's eye the flaw the weakness, uh, the impropriety, the irritating, you know, habit, whatever it might be in someone else's eye. Why do we look for the weakness? Why do we look for the worst? Why do we tend to put the worst construction on other people? Why do we tend to find that one chink in the other person's armor? Why do we criticize other people? Why, Jesus says, why do you look for the speck the question behind the question he wants us to become aware that if we have this propensity if we have this unconscious habit or conscious where we're always surmising the flaws the weaknesses the things in another person to criticize that there's a a bigger problem inside of us so let's look at Matthew 7 and we'll we'll develop this Jesus speaking he says don't criticize people and you will not be criticized for you will be judged by the way you criticize others and the measure you give will be the measure you receive why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and fail to notice the what the plank in your own eye it was probably somewhere around 19 uh, 87, 88, I don't know, when I discovered that I had some of that spiritual plank eye in myself. And I remember I, I was jolted. I, I, I never considered that this was uh, something that I had. I was unaware of it. It felt very embarrassing to become aware of it, that, that I had this propensity to find the smallest, most minute imperfection or flaw in anyone or anything. I'm going to stop here for a minute. It was very uncomfortable when I discovered that about myself. It, 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 was, it was embarrassing. It, it felt like you'd been walking through the street naked and you didn't know it. <laughs> and it felt very uncomfortable as to how I was going to 
correct this because it just seemed to be an automatic response some of you today you got to listen to me careful on this one I'm not trying to over dramatize this I'm being sincere some of you today the God that created you that loves you that's been with you every second of your life that wants your highest good more than you can imagine that God is here today by his spirit and he wants to do for you what he started doing for me back somewhere around 1987 this this could be a momentous breakthrough day for you because his spirit is here palpably ready to release some of us from this syndrome where we are always looking for the weakness always looking at others with a critical eye always finding everybody's fault listen you know it and I know it there are whole families like this in fact it tends to go throughout families whole generations one after another where no matter who they meet no matter how nice they are they find every little thing to criticize in another person and this thing gets passed down it becomes a way of life well I'm not sure why you're crapping, but I'll take it at any rate. Um, and you might be, you might be here today because a loving God, like I say, he wants to put his light, his loving light, his gentle, kind light on you like he put it on me back in the 80s and say, you know, I want to I wanna help you get over this. You've got to become aware that this is a major major problem the passage goes on a bit how can you say to your brother let me get the speck out of your eye when there is a plank in your own you fraud it's a hostile attitude make no mistake about it take the plank out of your own eye first then you can see clearly enough to remove your brother's speck of dust Jesus is saying that this attitude to find the weakness, to find the fault, to, to find anything to criticize in someone else, it is a massive problem. And he's saying that we can't possibly even start to help somebody else, uh, you know, remove the, the speck, the small thing in their life, until we go through the very rigorous, painful, difficult process, humiliating process of removing the plank that is in our own eye so this is not necessarily going to be a comfortable message but it might be the most important message for some of you in your whole life because when you become aware that you have a plank in your eye as Jesus would put it and that this is a serious problem and here's why it's serious by the way when I am in this condition when you are in this condition we are blocking out the working of God's spirit God's grace in our own soul he cannot get to us he cannot uh, elevate our capacity to experience love to experience joy to experience peace we are blocking it out when we hold on to this critical frame of mind where we're always looking for the speck in others where we're always looking to criticize everyone and everything this negative frame of mind we block the good work that God wants to do in us and so it's a loving God that says man you, you got to deal with the plank this is a problem it is it is your capacity it is your propensity it is your habit to always see others with a fault-finding eye that is blocking the blessing I want to bring into your life that's what I learned back in the 80s and maybe some of us today are going to kind of sit still and let God just kind of love on us a bit by correcting us
So let's start by probing a little bit more deeply. What, what is this condition about? Let's consider the condition. Let's get below the surface on it. There's a passage in the book of Galatians in the New Testament that gives us kind of a proper perspective, a corrective perspective on this problem. It goes this way. It says, for if anyone thinks he is something special, when in fact he is nothing special except in his own eyes, he deceives himself. The speck finder, uh, the fault finder, the critic is deceiving themselves. But each one must carefully scrutinize his own work, examining his actions, his attitudes and behavior. And then he can have the personal satisfaction and inner joy of doing something commendable without comparing, comparing himself to another. One of the problems we'll see in a second behind this condition is a propensity to compare ourselves to others and I'll talk in a bit about the reason why for that let's go on for every person will have to bear with patience his own burden of faults and shortcomings for which he is alone responsible we all have faults and shortcomings Jesus says why are you looking for the speck in someone else's eye when you've got a plank in your own eye Let's look at another portion of Scripture from the Old Testament. It says, let's examine and probe whose ways, our ways, and turn back to the Lord. Instead of looking for the speck in someone else, I should be trying to get God's light upon my own soul so that his corrective developmental work can take place in me. And that calls for humility. Let's look at another one that kind of says it from a different angle. It says, examine me. Now I'm asking God to get involved in this process because I have difficulty with objectivity. So do we all. Examine me and test me, Lord. Judge my desires and thoughts. My thoughts, my desires are the ones that need to be probed and tested. It's, it's the plank in my eye that needs to be examined by myself and the Lord. Now I want to kind of give you four um, Four pro, uh, kind of popular ways, typical ways is a better way of saying it, or reasons for why we have this condition. There, there are others. There, there are other reasons for this condition, but I'm going to give you four that are, that are kind of typical that might help you to figure out a little bit why you have this condition, if you do. Certainly not all of us in this room do. And there's no shame here. There's, there's no shame. This is, this is God lovingly helping all of us to, to get a better perspective on who we are in his light so that he can help us develop to become who he intends us to be. Here we go. Four typical causes of this condition. Number one is an inaccurate image of God. Um, people with this condition tend to view God primarily judicially meaning that they they kind of knowingly or unknowingly see God as kind of a prosecutor that he's all, that he himself is always looking for the flaw he himself is always looking for the weakness he himself is always looking for everything wrong in our lives so that he can prosecute us so that he can take judicial action against us You've heard me say before many times, and, I, and I'll say it again because it's a good example to tuck away. God does not look at us with the eyes of a prosecuting attorney. He looks at us with the eyes of, a, of an ER physician. Now, the prosecuting attorney and the ER physician both want to find every single thing that's wrong. I need God to show me, to find in me everything that is wrong because until he can show me and find in me everything that is wrong and until I'm aware of it, he cannot heal me. The ER physician wants to find everything that's wrong with us but, but not with malice but, but to heal us, to help us. 
That's the way God is. But the person that tends to be always criticizing others, always looking for the flaw, always looking for the weakness in everybody and everything, they tend to view God as a judicial prosecutor and they tend to react similar in way. Another reason is this, insufficient attempts at resolving guilt. The person hasn't really come to grips with God's grace, hasn't for some reason been able to fully embrace the notion that God is forgiving and that he forgives us our sins and if we'll allow him he'll he'll cleanse us from our sins and help us to construct a new kind of a character but this is a way it's an attempt to resolve guilt it's kind of like you know I know that I still have some sin in my life I know I'm still doing some things that are not according to God's design but so are you and so I tend to I want to find yours because they kind of legitimize mine it's kind of like finding a way to get a sin pass and 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 the foolish thing about a sin pass is what am I getting a pass on I'm getting a pass on action that's damaging to my own soul and dangerous for others it makes me a danger to others kind of like Charlie Jett going in my eye with that, that, that drywall knife he was either dumb or dangerous or both I don't know you know and sometimes I'm dumb and dangerous until God's light is, you know, upon me. And I, I learn that certain behaviors are, are not, not good for me or, or good for others. So this is an attempt to resolve guilt. It's like, okay, I, I might not be perfect, but neither are you. It, it's, it's a foolish way to try to resolve guilt. The way to resolve guilt is to accept God's forgiveness. But that means I've got to own my own wrongdoing. Uh, whether it's wrong thinking or wrong attitude or whatever it is sometimes it's an insufficient grasp of God-given worth and this is a big one the person that's always criticizing others the person that's always looking for the flaw the weakness in others tends to be a person that sees themselves as inferior as someone with something wrong they're inferior they're insecure and they think that by comparing themselves favorably with others if I can find the weaknesses if I can find the flaws in you I don't feel so bad about myself at least initially that's the case so it's it's kind of a way by comparing ourselves favorably to deal with our own feelings of worthlessness now there's feelings of worthlessness we're going to deal with that in the second part of the message they're they're inaccurate totally inaccurate but they come from the fact that we start to try to derive our value from the way that society evaluates people you know are, are you attractive are you intelligent are you an achiever do you have money do you have prestige do you have power are you popular these are the things that society says make you valuable or invaluable but that is all a lie that that is not true at all but if we've embraced knowingly or unknowingly those ways of evaluating ourselves, we might feel inferior and when we feel inferior we want to go after other people we want to find their flaws we want to cut them down because for a little while it makes us feel better I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if you know what I'm talking about because I know you do then the last one is this irrational pride it, it, the, Jesus says you know you're looking to take a speck out of someone else's eye you're looking at them with a critical fault finding spirit don't you know that the the desire to do that the desire to find fault with the other person is indicative that you have a much deeper more troublesome problem a plank Jesus likens it to in our own eye and so it's a proud attitude it is taking a superior posture that I am better than you 
and I can tell you what to do and how to do it and I, I can show you what you need to fix up as though I don't have work to do in my own soul there's nobody on the planet that doesn't have work to do in our own soul it, it says in scripture that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and what that means is that when we live discordant with God's design that's what sin is we fall short of the glory of God well what is the glory of God it's his image I was meant you were meant to be a Christ like human being and I fall short of that and we all fall short of that but God once we've returned to him in trust he wants to take us on a developmental journey where he's going to restore our soul for his name's sake and we become that Christ-like version of ourselves we were meant to become but we all fall short of that and we're all in different stages of a developmental journey if we in fact have trusted in Christ and become his follower so, so these are some kind of typical reasons that, that are behind this propensity to uh, criticize others and fault find others and, and uh, you know we, we rationalize it for various ways let me go on to this insufficient coping systems lead to deeper inner damage in other words these these are attempts to deal with our discomfort with ourselves a lot of times we criticize others because we're really seeing in others facets of ourself that we don't like we know exist but we want to deny them so we're trying to cope we're trying to cope with guilt in the wrong way we're trying to cope with inferiority in the wrong way we're, we're trying to cope with a poor image of God in the wrong way insufficient coping systems lead to deeper inner damage the person that's criticizing always looking at others to find fault in them is deepening the damage in their own soul listen the person that is the the spec finder I can tell you by personal experience that is a person that knows very little of God's love very little of God's joy very little of God's peace <clears throat> if any because that attitude blocks those things from being developmental realities within us we're, we're damaging when we, when we hold to that critical fault-finding mentality when we're resistant to God's loving correction in that area we're just deepening the damage in ourselves. it feels good at first when you can find fault with everybody and everything it makes you feel a little bit better about yourself for a short time but you're just you're digging yourself in we dig ourselves in deeper when we do that and that leads to the second part it make it making us increasingly dangerous people now I said earlier I used the word dumb and I know that's offensive to some of you but we do dumb things and become dangerous people when we're not willing to let God put his light within us and help us to get these planks this attitude this frame of mind uh, out of ourselves we are hurtful to other people when we make those uh, attempts at taking the speck out of their eye we usually do so with a drywall knife or a lead pencil and we hurt other people and we offend other people and a lot of times we take pride in it and we might even think that you know well, I'm just being a brother and a sister in Christ I'm just trying to help you grow just trying to help you develop there is a right way and a wrong way to exhort one another encourage one another and even admonish one another <clears throat> but until we get the plank out of our own eye we don't have the humility and the gentleness of spirit or the sensitivity of touch to approach somebody in a corrective way alright so 
we've kind of looked at <clears throat> a little bit below the surface of the condition so so let's look at the other side how, how do we correct correcting this condition the book of proverbs reminds us and this is going to be important because for some of you right now if if this is the first time you've ever had the slightest notion i remember how it felt to me it was very uncomfortable as i said earlier in the message when i finally became aware that i had the plank in my eye i was that guy it felt lousy and some of you you might be for the first time this morning feeling like wow man that is me i I, no no no, i don't want to believe that's me no 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 when I say things about other people, when I criticize them, I always mean well. We're struggling right now trying to rationalize our behavior within our own minds. But don't do that. Don't do that. It's uncomfortable, but it comes from a loving God's heart, this correction. So here we go. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be, what is the word? Don't be upset when he corrects you. We tend to get upset when we see uh, things about ourselves, areas where we have blind spots and we see them for the first time, it's, it's, it's upsetting, it's uncomfortable. For the Lord corrects those he what? Loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. So, let's remember that though it may sting a little bit for the moment, uh, it, it's, it's God's love because until the plank is removed from our eye, our soul can't develop it we we can't know much of god's life in our soul we can't know what it is to to live like god lives and to love like he loves we can't know the emotions that exist in god until we start living like god and when we hold on to this attitude we block the working of the spirit of god within ourselves now i'm going to show you a picture in a minute it's going to look, look a little bit shocking to you but just work with me on this here we go this is a man who is trying to eat uh, the mortar and a little bit of this rock he's trying to to get a good bite on those now I had another picture where he's actually uh, eating some some mud but Kim told me that it it was so shocking and uncomfortable that nobody would ever be able to think about anything else I said so (laughs) now uh, this behavior as peculiar as it is it's it's really caused by an inward condition and I'm going somewhere with this Jesus says that this condition of being critical and fault finding and always looking for the worst in people and putting the worst construction on everything someone says and does and and slicing and dicing people secretly and then you give them that little smile when you meet them and all those things we do that are terrible and embarrassing Um, he says it's, it's, it's an inner problem it's a significant inner problem and that's why Jesus wants us to look at this thing understand it and deal with it and when you have an inner problem an exterior way of handling it or treating it it just won't work I mean we could go to this guy and we could say hey man what are you crazy stop eating stop eating mortar I mean nobody eats mortar eat, eat some food he had access to food but he's eating mortar but he's eating mortar because of an internal condition called pica how many have ever heard of pica before okay people that have pica uh, they eat unusual things might be metallic things might be things like this might be dirt a lot of people with pica eat dirt now the thing about pica is this pica is the result the pike the external behavior is the result of an internal condition uh, the internal condition can be twofold it can be psychological meaning that you these individuals need psychological help or it can be nutrition 
It can be a lack of nutrition, various minerals that causes someone to gravitate toward these things. So here's the deal. If you just go to this guy and say, hey man, stop eating mortar. You're, you're not likely, we're not likely to help him. We have to help him on the inside. We have to help him if he needs, you know, a balanced diet, if he needs vitamins, you know, to stop this thing, we need to help him there. If he needs psychological help, we need to help him there. But it's inside that the help has to come. So let me share this statement with you. Sometimes accurately identifying the why is critical. So Jesus says, why? Why do you look at the speck? in the per other person's eye instead of being aware of the plank in your own sometimes accurately identifying the why why do I do this is it because I'm struggling with inferiority and I'm trying to compare myself favorably is it because I'm trying to legitimize give myself a sin pass legitimize my sinful behavior in some area of my life or my guilt that I can't quite resolve is it because I have some inaccurate image of God that I think he's a prosecuting attorney and not an ER doctor wanting to save me from that which is hurting me I mean what what is it I've got to accurately sometimes get the why before it's it's necessary I've got to get the why it's necessary for controlling the what I'm not likely going to be able to get past this plank eye condition unless I'm willing to go inside and I can't go inside by myself I've got to go inside with Christ I've got to let God get get inside me bring his light on me I've got to stand openly before God in his light let him correct me lovingly because it says that he corrects those that he loves and then I've got to let him kind of walk me through a process to, to get the inside fixed before the external behavior is going to get fixed. In other words, for me to just say, I'm, I'm going to stop looking at other people critically. I'm going to stop fault finding. That's okay. That's good. That's a good starting place. But you'll find that won't work just by sheer willpower. We've got to kind of get some things worked out inside. So let's look at the other side of this. We have to establish an accurate image of God, first of all, if we're ever going to get past this plank-eyed condition. Uh, Colossians 2 verse 9 it says for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body I must you must we must have a clear image of God what he's like who he is the way he feels for us the fact that he is for us not against us he's an ER physician wanting to point out all that's wrong with us so that he can heal all that's wrong with us he's not a prosecuting attorney I see what God is like most fully in Christ and particularly when he is on that cross giving his life to win back my trust my allegiance so that he can enable me to become who he always created me to become and do what he always created me to do I've got to have an accurate image of God if I'm going to get past this plank eye condition secondly I need to expose sin in my life it says in 1st John 1 9 if we what is the next word if we what confess our sin confess my sin is is I'm owning it I'm I'm the guy I, I had to do this back in the 80s like I said I am the guy I'm looking at others without even being aware of it I'm looking at others with a critical fault-finding eye I had to own that there's something wrong with me Jesus tells me I've got a plank in my eye I've got I've got a my condition is much more serious than the faults I'm finding in others if we confess our sins own it he, meaning God, is faithful and just 
and will do what forgive our sins I need forgiveness you need forgiveness I can't make up for my sin I can't pay for my sin you can't make up you can't pay for it we need to just stand still and say I have no excuse my motives are often bad my behavior has been bad I have not lived the way you designed me to live I have no excuse for it I just need to be forgiven but I don't want to just be forgiven God I don't want to be this person anymore I, I don't want to be the, the critical fault-finding person. I don't want to have the plank in my eye. I want to be the loving, encouraging, supportive, building up sort of a person. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, but he doesn't stop there. And what does it say? Purify us from how much? All unrighteousness. This verse is sometimes terribly misused. It is used as a license to sin. Oh, well, you know, nobody's perfect, man. You know, it says right in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, he forgives our sins. You know, nobody, nobody's going to be perfect. You know, we're just all forgiven. This is a process. This is God's process for cleansing me, changing me from the inside out. As I own my sin in his presence, he wants to get deeper inside of me we're at work inside me and, and to purify me not just from that particular sin that I confess but to cleanse me from all unrighteousness this notion that that in this lifetime nobody's gonna be perfect you know nobody's gonna be like Christ so what does it matter we're all just stumbling bumbling sinners this will keep you from developing keep me from developing the way that God has given us the capacity to develop we can make tremendous strides forward in becoming a authentically Christ-like person but I have to have Christ as my goal that, that I authentically believe God can work in me in such a way to cleanse me purify me make me progressively more like Christ and part of this process is me owning my sin no excuses I did this and here's my lousy motives for doing it God I'm gonna I'm gonna own it in your presence I'm not gonna make any excuses I'm not gonna blame others I'm not gonna you know shift you know uh, blame on other people or circumstances I mean we we tend to want to do that confession of sin is like I'm owning this I did it this is what I did and my motives for doing it were lousy they were selfish they were wrong there is no excuse and man I don't want to be this guy I want you to cleanse me God I, I don't want you to just cleanse me this I want to be cleansed through and through I want to live the way you live I want to learn to love the way you love I want to have your life inside of me that's all involved in this process so sin has to be exposed I have to own it we have to own it thirdly embrace God given worth listen if you and I knowingly or unknowingly are basing our worth as a human being based on anything other than what you're going to read in just a minute in this scripture and one that comes after it then our worth will always be shifting what will always be uh, we'll always have a tendency to want to compare ourselves to others favorably we'll always be insecure we'll always be struggling with inferiority we'll always be struggling with worthlessness unless our worth is is solidly based on what we're going to read in these next two passages so here we go it says speaking to Christ through his power all things were made things in heaven and on earth things seen and unseen all powers authorities lords and rulers all things were made through Christ and then what does it say for Christ now that's where you and I have to come in until I recognize that way back in eternity past Christ with love in his heart 
decided to bring me into existence, to bring you into existence. He knew you before you existed. He knew me before I existed. He brought me into existence for himself. He wanted me to be his forever. That is where my worth comes from. You can't take that from me. I don't have to run faster, jump higher. I don't have to look right, smell right, do anything right. I don't have to achieve. I don't have to own. I don't have to possess. I don't need to be popular. I don't need to be prestigious, nor do you. I know who I am. My worth comes from Christ. How many of you in here have, have children? Can I see your hands? All right. So when that baby was born, that newborn, did that baby become precious to you because that baby was loaded with money <laughs> that baby came out of the womb singing like Adele that baby had more intelligence than Einstein it spoke right from, from birth no that baby couldn't do anything the baby's worth was in the love you had for the baby you knew the capacity you knew the potential that that life had and, and that baby had instantaneous worth because you loved it your worth my worth it is rock solid because Christ created us for himself he wants you he is for you it's one of the hardest things for us I think to really believe in our hearts we can believe it for small pieces of time but society and life has a way of taking it away from us and, and I think if we could just learn to live there we, we'd be a whole lot more secure second part God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still what does it say? still sinners how much, how much is your worth? while you were still while I was still a sinner didn't give a rip about God Christ did what? Died for us. Now, I don't know many people who lay down their life for me, if anyone. <laughs> but Christ did. My worth, your worth, is based on Christ created you and I for himself. And he loves us so much that when we didn't care about him at all, when we were living totally contrary to his will, his designs, he died for us he sacrificed his life because he knew that's what it would likely take if there was going to be any chance of winning back our trust to himself there's your worth Christ created you and Christ died for you if you and I knowingly or unknowingly start to build our self-worth on anything else all these goofy things that society tells us today oh take up a hobby and get good at it you know or you know, go get a job and, you know, show people that you can do whatever you want. I mean, all these dumb ideas, they will not work. You will always be struggling. The person with the plank in their eye, they're trying to convince themselves that they're worthy by comparing themselves favorably to others. I'm going to find the flaws in you because then I'll feel a little bit better and my inferiority feelings and my insecurity won't be as intense for a little while, but it, but it actually deepens the intensity of it in time now I want to say one thing about this passage it says while we were still sinners Christ died for us here's the truth God loves us just as we are it says while we were still sinners he died for us he loves us as we are 
but he loves us way too much to leave us as we are. This is a notion that's become distorted in Christian circles that, you know, God just kind of comes and he saves me and delivers me and takes me to heaven, but that he doesn't really expect or desire for me to change. How could he love me if he didn't want me to change? If he sees that I'm damaged, if he sees that I'm destroying myself, if he sees that I'm a danger to others, if he sees that my dumbness makes me dangerous to others, how could he leave me as I am? His love compels him to bring his light on me to help me to grow. Hence, he wants me to learn to get the plank out of my eye. But God, God loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us as we are. That's why the Christian message is it's all about authentic change of character from the inside out. Let me go on to the last part of this. Expel irrational pride. Ephesians 4, verse 2, it says, Always, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's what? False because of your love the person that's looking for the speck in others is not making allowance for anyone's faults and yet way we or all of us have faults we all have faults we all have failures we're all in process uh, we all have a lot of things that can get on other people's nerves and the way of love is we bear with one another's faults knowing that we're in process at different stages of our developmental journey as opposed to the person looking for the speck I'm looking to you know, find the weakness. I'm looking to find the blind spot. I'm looking to find the chink in the other person's armor and to intensify their awareness to the point of maybe bringing them pain over it. There's a right way and a right time and a wrong way and a wrong time. And so to be humble and gentle, it's to stay aware. I too have faults, lots of them. Regardless of how far we, we've gone on our journey with Christ, we're still in process we still are in need of cleansing and correction and development and so forth. So let's go back to kind of another portion of Scripture as we close out. Proverbs 3, we looked at this once before. It says, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. And don't despise when, or, or don't, don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. So, the likelihood is some of you are sitting right where I was back somewhere around 1987 or so when the embarrassing awareness came to me that, that I was the guy with the plank in my eye. I, I was the guy looking for the speck in everyone else, that I was driven for various reasons to find the speck, the fault, to put the worst construction on everybody's behavior. I, I, I realized that, and I felt as I said earlier, naked and embarrassed and very uncomfortable. Everything in me kind of wanted to deny it. Everything in me kind of wanted to legitimize it. But I knew that it was a loving God that was saying, Randy, you got, you got to deal with this, man. This, this is no good. I can't work in you, and I'll never be able to work through you unless you get the plank out of your eye. You got to learn to look at people with eyes of love. You got to learn to look at people with eyes of grace. You're never going to help anybody unless you get this out of your own life. Now, some of you, this morning, God has lovingly made you aware the way he made me aware. You've got the plank in your eye. You have this propensity to find fault with everyone and everything. 
and you never maybe even had a notion that you had this problem perhaps until this morning maybe you've legitimized it maybe your family has been that way for generations it, it tends to happen and now you're very uncomfortable and, and something even now is stirring in your head you're like no, no 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 this is not talking about me this is talking about somebody else could be but it could be you do what I did back in the 80s embrace the truth about yourself one of the things that God always wants us to do is to embrace the truth about himself and about life and about ourselves if you're here this morning this is an opportunity I, I'm telling you from experience this is an opportunity for breakthrough in your life the likes of which you would never be able to imagine the the repercussions when you get rid of that plank in your eye and you stop being that hypercritical individual first of all you're going to discover some stuff you're going to discover that all of a sudden a new a new level of God's love has the ability to start to circulate in you you start to have a new level of God's joy and a new level of God's peace this is a hostile attitude that blocks the love of God from working in you in us and through us if you'll embrace God's healing proposal to you today you'll bless yourself and everybody else that's got to interact with you for the rest of your days you may feel uncomfortable but if you embrace it man you're, you're going to see you're going to learn this this was a breakthrough moment in your life don't resist God's correction let's pray father we are so grateful that you really are a father and you know us and you love us and you correct us because you love us help us to humble ourselves help us to determine this will be the day we'll embrace your willingness to work in us and through us that this plank-eyed condition this propensity to criticize and to find fault with everyone and everything that that it will never characterize our lives again from this day forward help us to be humble help us to be open uh, help us to to get past the resistances that we feel to own the truth about ourselves, We ask all this in Christ's name.